second matter. The reporting in the Washington Post of the Chinese dictator Xi's speech on New Year's Eve to throngs in Wuhan, none of them observing social distancing, although this was the place from which the virus was launched across the world without notice, without caring as to its impact on other countries. That was described as a triumph by the Washington Post. And that triumph was reflected in Australia as far back as March, when the National Cabinet, ignoring world's practice, world's best practice in Taiwan, did what the former Victorian Treasury economist, who resigned out of protest, Sanjeev Sablok, what he said, the National Cabinet, the Victorian government, Australian governments, embraced the cowardly, totalitarian, zombie ways of the communist Chinese government in dealing with the virus, and especially in relation to the lockdown. What the Australian government, what Australian governments generally should have done, was looked to world's best practice, which was clearly that of Taiwan. They didn't because no doubt they felt that Taiwan should be ignored because Beijing said it should be ignored as an international leper. What we're seeing in Australia is an application of Acton's great principle that absolute power corrupts absolutely. We see this in the political mismanagement of the Wuhan virus. If we'd adopted world's best practice, which was available, which was obvious and could have been followed, we could have proceeded in the control over the national frontier, but also in going ahead without lockdowns, without suffocating businesses and careers, and without causing unnecessary stress and grief, nor abandoning the vulnerable, as some of our politicians have, especially in Victoria. The fact is that every one of our lauded checks and balances, which we talk so much about constitutionally, has failed to discipline an embryonic dictatorial class in Australia. Our leaders, our political leaders, enjoying absolute power in relation to the virus, are playing with Australians as a cat plays with a wounded mouse. Inexplicably, they abandoned their policy of flattening the curve. It's all about flattening the curve. That is controlling the number of people going into hospital. They've abandoned that, and they haven't given any reason for that, for a policy of eradication. And this has allowed the policies politicians to daily preside over communiques to the Australian people. It's like the endless struggle in Orwell's 1984. There's always a war going on in 1984. And they've got this endless struggle with their outbreaks and their clusters and their continual testing, followed by a dutiful media who then endeavour to shock the Australian population into some form of obedience. The politicians have camouflaged 
this Orwellian game by claiming it's all justified by the, the science. But as with stomach ulcers, where a Nobel Prize was awarded because Australian scientists found that they could also be caused by a virus, as with stomach ulcers, scientists are as divided on the virus, the need for lockdowns, the wearing of masks, as they are on global warming. There is no the science. The science is used by politicians to justify it without any explanation. Arbitrary nonsense. Like the arbitrary nonsense the New South Wales Premier has just gone on with by declaring that only 100 people can now go into a funeral or a wedding, even one in a vast cathedral, or that masks are now mandatory in New South Wales, they're compulsory, even though at the height of the plague they were deemed not so important. Well, at the same time, a major sports event is allowed to go ahead in Sydney as it should. Well, the politicians, all of this is a dark power game and that's become very, very self-evident. The worst manifestation of this power game is the opening and closing of state borders on a whim, clearly all designed to create maximum stress, maximum torment, and even inhuman grief. The worst one being the recent closure of the New South Wales-Victorian border, causing extraordinary grief for those who decided to take their holidays in New South Wales. Given that the High Court has so casually abdicated any control in this area, notwithstanding the core constitutional principle, the basis really in many ways of federation, or at least its centerpiece, the constitutional principle that trade, commerce and intercourse between the states shall be absolutely free. The answer is for Canberra for once to offer some real national leadership. Instead of being the world leader in greedily cornering most taxes, and Canberra is there, takes about 80% of the taxes, hands back about half of that to the states on various conditions so it can exercise even more control, contrasted with most federations where nothing like 80% is taken by the central government, they should provide some leadership on this issue. And the solution is simple. Federal legislation could immediately be adopted by the parliament, exercising to the full the power in relation to quarantines, demonstrating that it was to be exercised, that power was to henceforth be exercised only by the Commonwealth, tightly prescribing the times and areas, ensuring or requiring that this be done through the Federal Executive Council with the Governor-General presiding, and medical evidence demonstrating that this is absolutely necessary, be immediately made public, not hidden, like the, the modelling which was hidden at the time the national lockdown was adopted, and only doing so when this is specifically adopted by a 
committee of three medical experts and, say, two eminent public figures, with a requirement that there be a public hearing by that committee within, say, three working days, so that people could hear the case for the quarantine in a very specific area, never a state, a specific area, public hearings within three days, then if these are to be extended every seven days, with a devil's advocate, someone there to expose chicanery and mendacity, the sort of Alan Jones who would be the devil's advocate to expose any weaknesses in the case for those trying to impose a particular quarantine. Playing games with state borders, which is too often done for political reasons, to win the next election, for example, for popularity or just for the exercise of power, demonstrates that most states are far too large. They're too centralized. They're too large. They hold back development outside of the capitals. And at least three of the capitals, the eastern capitals, are enormously bloated in size. And that's because of another delinquency of the politicians. The federal government for years has been imposing high immigration, which is not necessary, for one ridiculous purpose, to fabricate fake GDP growth, growth in the gross domestic product, not per capita, growth in the total domestic product, so they can say, well, we're, we're not having a recession, we're always going ahead. It's just a fake method of getting that figure internationally. And the people of uh, Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane have to have bloated capitals which cannot keep up with their minimal infrastructure, including water and transport and electricity. In addition, this means there's minimal reasonable, uh, minimal regional development. For example, in Queensland, a state open for the creation of at least one additional state in North Queensland. In Queensland, everything is done because all the seats, or most, many of the seats are down there. Everything is done for the southeast corner and little development occurs in the north. For example, and the biggest obstacle to development is the refusal of all governments, all governments, state and federal, to engage in a significant plan for the harvesting of water. We will never have development in Australia unless water is harvested and harvested to the full. That's the only way in this continent in which further development of a significant amount will occur, and that's where the immigration should be directed. But there's no point in the immigrants going to these areas because there's no work there, not enough water there. And it's the state governments and the federal government which refuse to harvest water to any significant degree. Australia has had no new state since 1859. In that time, the Americans have had about 20 and we do need them because this will ensure development. The people of a potential new state should be able to initiate by petition, certain percentage of them, say 5%, 10%, by petition, they should be able to initiate a binding referendum for the formation of a separate state. 
And the obvious candidate is North Queensland and then perhaps Central Queensland and certainly New South Wales where, for example, in the New England area there should be a new state. In fact, South East Queensland, Greater Sydney and Greater Melbourne are already large enough to be states and would be better run if they had to look after themselves and not draw so much in terms of assets and so on from the other parts of the state and deprive those other parts of the state of the necessary development. Well, I've covered a lot here, but it started out relating to the virus, but the way in which the governments are mismanaging our country. The fact is, there is no significant problem in Australia, which if it were not created by the politicians, has been made significantly worse by them. The only answer is to control the politicians. The only answer is to increase the control over the politicians and over policy by the rank and file Australians. Australians, it's time to take back your country.